0: an online video contest and picking five lucky winners to come alongside and help them throw the most epic Christmas party imaginable for their neighborhood. Oh, good. An epic party. You should treat yourself. Imagine amazing musicians showing up at your door, making your party the best party the neighborhood's ever seen. Right on. Yeah. We're gonna have a party. Not only are we going to help you with entertainment, we're also going to help with food. I want it. I want it. Everybody loves a great party. It's fantastic! Post a video to our Facebook page, less than a minute long, telling us why you think you should win the party. I'm good. An <laughs> epic party! Yay! Load your videos to the Facebook page by midnight sharp, November 27th. Boom, boom, boom! We will let you know if you've won by November 30th. A little clapping and cheering. see. Good morning. There's four kinds of people in the world. We learned this a couple weeks ago, right? And one of them is mockers. Were they mocking me? (laughs) Because it felt like they were mocking me. All right. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Good day? Yeah, it's freezing out there, but it's going to be beautiful today. Yeah, it's sunny. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Hey, um, we're going to pray together, and then we're going to look into Scripture. Okay, let's do that. Father in heaven, thanks so much for who you are and uh, what you're doing among us and in us. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for all the gifts you pour out to us. And just looking around the room and seeing the people that are here in the room and knowing who's serving next door in the Kids Fest area and who's serving over in the block this morning, a lot of gifted people. Uh, that you're working through, and I'm just I'm grateful for all those gifts and, and everyone who's so willing to use them, so thank you for that. Lord, would you work in us today, shape us today? You have planted us in this world, and you want us to love the people in this world. You want us to love our neighbors and our enemies and everyone around us, so would you shape us to be that kind of person, that kind of people, uh, those kind of people today? And Lord, as we talk about decisions and decision-making and how do we do that wisely, uh, Lord, we ask you for wisdom for all of us, for each of us today. We love you. We honor you. We seek you through Jesus. Amen. All right. When you guys come in, do you look at the program, that little thing we call Lakeside Life? Do you look at that? Do you actually read it? Good. What's the title of today's talk? Okay, the deciding factor, that's good. That's the series, but today's talk, like a mile away. A mile away. Good. All right. So some, someone read that. I appreciate that. So a mile away. And some of you, when you uh, if you've been hanging out the last couple weeks, you're, you're thinking, okay, that's awesome. Pastor Brad's going to talk about his marathon experience again. <laughs> that's the runners among us who are clapping. So um, no, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about the marathon at all after this sentence. Not at all today. Yeah, see, thank you very much. I I knew it. So let's talk about something else today. Let's Let's talk about regrets. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them your greatest regret. Oh, you don't want to talk about your pain. You want to talk about my pain. Okay, let's talk about the marathon. Okay, now you don't have to tell your neighbor this. I'm just kidding about that stuff. And you don't even have to raise your hand. But does anybody have a regret in life? You didn't have to raise your hand. Now you're not going to regret raising your hand. I mean, I've got, I've got regrets. I've got, there's things in my life. There are things that have happened in my life that I look back and I go, oh, man, I wish that had not happened. Or worse, oh, man, I wish I had not caused that to happen. And there are, there are these, these things that I hold on to They create sorrow for me. They create grieving for me. And, uh, and you probably have the same kind of things, and sometimes it's just hard to get past that grieving because you go, this thing that happened in my life or this thing that I caused or initiated in my life or I was a part of or whatever caused pain to people around me, and that just creates regret. And regret in, is a good thing in the sense that it, it brings remorse, which brings a change of heart, which maybe cha- brings a change of direction, but we still have this thing that we call regret. Why do we have that? And you have a conscience, so that's that's that you know that pulls that out. But why does your conscience react sometimes to go, oh, you're gonna feel as bad about that for the rest of your life? Why? It's because somewhere somebody made a bad decision. And usually when I have regrets, it's because I made a bad decision, and it's maybe the decision, the outcome of that decision that was bad, or maybe it was the whole process of that decision that was bad. But bad decisions lead to regret. And of course, I would like to do everything I can in my life not to have. Regrets like that, Yeah, I think you would be the same. If we could live without regret, that would be fantastic. So we've been talking for the last month about decision-making. This is going to be our last weekend in this series. We'll, do it, we'll start anew. Got some great stuff coming up next weekend and the, and the next month. But uh, we'll talk, I want to talk about decision-making one more time today before we get off of that. And we've been asking this question. Uh, in light of my past experiences and my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams... And in light of what I understand from the scriptures, when it comes to a a decision, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for me to do? And I just believe if you would learn to ask that question when decisions cross your plate, it would help you so much down the road in terms of making decisions. Because usually just asking the question clarifies the issues that you need to address. Just asking, what's the wise thing for me to do? Just helps you figure out how to live wisely. The challenge is asking the question. So then last week, we added to that a little bit. We said, you know, everybody is living in a certain season of their life. We, we, we live by seasons. And we don't always categorize them or understand them very clearly, but we live by seasons. And, uh, and so we talked about, you know, some seasons are like short, like a day long. Some seasons last for years. Sometimes seasons overlap in our lives. Maybe we're sort of in two different seasons and different spheres of our life at any given time. With this many people in a room, we are all in different seasons of our life. And so we added to that question, what's the wise thing to do with my time? Not simply in the moments of my time, in the minutes of my time, but what's the wise thing to do with the seasons of my life? What's the wise thing for me to do in this season of my life? And that gives us a grid to think about how do we make decisions. Now you can add to that some other topics that you could put into that, to the tail end of that question as well. So you could say, Uh, What's the wise thing for me to do with my money, or what's the wise thing to do with my marriage, or what's the wise thing to do with my kids, or what's the wise thing to do with my career, or what's the wise thing to do with any area of my life, what's the wise thing to do? And if you would ask that question, it would help you to make good decisions as you walk through your life. Now, sometimes you need some more than just that, but that alone, that question alone will help clarify a lot of things for us. Today, I want to take a little bit different tack on this topic and still talk about decisions, but I want to talk about why we make bad decisions. Because the bad decisions are the ones that leave regret. The bad decisions are the ones that leave wounds. And what is it that causes those bad decisions? Why is it that we can nearly always know the wise thing to do and then still not do it? in our lives. What causes that? So today what I want to do is talk about, a, I don't want to talk about you so much. I want to talk about a friend of yours because it's easier talking about them than it is talking about you, right? And you'll listen more because it's, it's more gossipy if we talk about your friend. So let's talk about a friend of yours and how they make decisions, okay? Not the person sitting right next to you, a, a different friend. Okay, a sort of close friend, but not that close, okay? And let's talk about that person. Have you ever had a friend in your life, again, you don't have to raise your hand because they might be sitting across the room looking at you and they know you're talking about them. So don't raise your hand if you don't want to, but... Have you ever had a friend who started down a course of life and they're making decisions and you can see this decision coming and from a mile away you go, you're making a bad decision and they're about to drive off a cliff or off the, the bridges out. You're like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. It's not going to end well. You're going to have regret. And they make the decision anyway. You have friends like that. Do they do they have friends like that? Yeah, they do. I mean, that's kind it, it of, goes, it goes both ways. And what's fascinating is they're making this terrible decision, or they're in the process of making this terrible decision, and you see it coming a mile away. You see it so clearly. You are clairvoyant, which, which means clear seer. I looked that up just to find out, you know, what's that about? They're clear seer. Wouldn't it be cool to be a clear seer about everything in your life? And my guess is you're a muddy seer in your life. You're a cloudy seer in your life, but you're clairvoyant in somebody else's life. And they are toward you. Why is it that I can see your trouble coming a mile away, but I can't see it, but you can see my trouble coming a mile away, and I can't see it? Why is that? I think it's because of this little thing called emotion. Emotion. See, emotionally in charge environments are not conducive to good decision-making. When you are are surrounded by emotions, clouded by emotions, it makes it awfully hard to make good decisions because your emotions get in the way and you don't see clearly. You don't see that bridges out. So why can I see clearly when you're having such trouble making a decision in your life? It's because I'm not messed up by your emotions, Now, I might be messed up by your emotions or by your decision if you're making something that's going to be emotionally challenging to me as well, but if I'm just sort of an outsider, I love you, I'm with you, I'm connected to you, but I'm not really involved in this decision, I can see it clearly because your emotions don't mess me up. And my emotions don't mess you up. But they certainly mess me up. They certainly get in the way of making wise decisions. And so if you have suffered pain in your life, And that pain has caused grief. That's an emotion that clouds our decision-making process. If you have desires in your life, things that you want, things that you want that lead you down a path toward making a certain decision, that clouds your decision-making process. If you have fear, fear will cloud your decision-making process. And it's hard for you to make the decision because you've got fear, but I can see it clearly because I'm not afraid of what you're afraid of. Almost every big decision we make comes with emotional baggage or emotional freight, If you're gonna make a career decision, it comes with emotion. You can't change jobs without having some emotion attached to that. If you're gonna make a decision to move across town or move across the country, you can't make that decision without some emotion being involved in that. If you're gonna make a relationship decision, you can't make that decision without emotions being involved in that. So just about every big decision that comes into your life comes with some emotional freight. It is not emotionally neutral. Family decisions, children decisions, parenting decisions, work decisions, money decisions, they are not emotionally neutral. And it's why I can see it when you're going to make some big bad decision. You can see it in me when I'm going to make some big bad decision. Because those emotions cloud our decision making. So let me ask the question that we've been asking for the last month. Let me ask the question in a little bit different way again today. And let's see if we can... uh, understand some things about this. So the question I would ask today is this, what is the wise thing to do? With all the background parts of the question, you know, in light of my past and my current and my future and in light of what I understand from scripture, when I have a decision to make, what is the wise thing to do when emotions are high and my appetites are inflamed? What's the wise thing to do when my emotions are hot and my passions are hot, then what's the wise thing for me to do? As we've gone along in this series, we have talked a lot about some things that uh, that Proverbs tells us. Solomon uh, is the man who wrote m- most of the Proverbs, and we've looked a lot at those things and said, hey, let's learn from the Proverbs, because there's a lot of wisdom right in there. So if you're going to say, what's the wise thing for me to do? Let's find out what the Proverbs say. But as we've gone along, we haven't spent very much time talking about the man who actually wrote the Proverbs, the man who is known as the wisest person in the world. And so when we're talking about this part of that, let's just figure out if we can see something about Solomon's life himself and how he got the wisdom that he got, how wise was he, how did he get there, and what what that led to in his life. All right, so if you have your copy of the Bible with you, why don't you open up to 1 Kings chapter 4. And let me read for you a description of, uh, of Solomon's wisdom. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on the row near you. You can use that. You can use your smartphone and follow along in U version if you like, that's fine, or you can just listen, that's fine as well. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom in Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezrahite, Wiser than He-Man, Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. This one wise dude, the wisest man in history. And it's fascinating how he describes him. He's wiser than everybody from the east. All the wise men from the east, wiser than them. Where did the wise men come when they came to see Jesus? From the east, he's wiser than all those guys. Right? He's wiser than all the wisdom put together in Egypt, which was, the, which was the most advanced culture in that generation. Wiser than them. He is wiser than Ethan the Ezraite. How many of you have heard of Ethan the Ezraite? See? Solomon was so wise, he put him so far in the shade that you've never heard of him again. And Ethan the Ezraite was a household name in that generation. Everybody knew Ethan the Ezraite. Not after Solomon came. He was wiser than He-Man, first superhero in the Bible. <laughs> he, spoke about, he spoke about plant life and animal life. He was a songwriter. He was a Proverbs writer. He was a scientist. And people came from all over the world and paid money to listen to him talk. Here's an amazing, remarkable human being who had this amazing level of wisdom. Now, I want to see an example of that wisdom, just so in case you're a skeptic or you're just kind of checking out who Solomon is or what this whole Bible story is about, uh, let's just look at a, a story, one occasion that comes from his life where his wisdom is demonstrated. It's uh, found one chapter earlier in 1 Kings chapter 3, and let me start reading at verse 16. story starts like this. Now, two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. And and I know you're thinking, that sounds like the beginning of a joke. (laughs) It's not. It's in the Bible. It's right here. So um, it's all right. Now, two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. Stop. Think Judge Judy. Judge Judy. Because that's pretty much what's going on. Here's Solomon. He's sitting in the judge's seat. Here's two women at the podiums. And this one's got a story. And this one's going to have a story. And they're yakking at each other. And they're yakking at King Solomon, the judge. Think that. Because that's just pretty close to what the situation was like. Verse 19. This woman continues. She says, during the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. Verse 23, the king said, hmm, this one says my son is alive and your son is dead, while that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. And I'm thinking, he's going to whack these two women in half. He said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please my lord, no, give her the living baby, don't kill him. But the other said, neither you nor I, neither I nor you shall have him cut him in two. Then the king gave this ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. I'm like, who would have thought of that? What a creative solution to an intractable, intract, one of those problems you can't solve. <laughs> I would love to have wisdom like that. I mean, don't you don't you ever get presented with, you know, two sides of a story, and you hear the first side of the story, like, wow, that sounds really right, that's true, and it's clear, and it's so obvious, that's right. And then you hear the other person's story, and you go, huh, that sounds just as right, and just as true, and just as clear. And now what do you do? Get a sword. I don't know, he's so, Solomon was so wise, it's why people paid money to come and listen to him talk and I'm like I'll never I'll never be that wise how do you get that wise how did Solomon get that wisdom well look a little farther up in chapter 3 verse 5 let's see where he got his wisdom there I'm going to skip over some background so if you want to go back and read more of this that's great just let me cut to the heart of the story You have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this, and as the story goes on, he grants his request. Here's a man who's a king of a nation. and God comes to him and gives him an invitation. He says, hey, Solomon, ask me whatever you want. You tell me what you want. I'm going to give you whatever you want. And Solomon is king of a nation. Now, you know how kings often behave, what do, what do kings want? They want power. I mean, it would have been e- really easy for Solomon to say, oh, God, this is awesome. Give me power. I want a bigger army than everybody in the world. I want to have power. Could have done that. He didn't. He could have said, I like money. I want as much money as possible. I want to be the richest king on the planet. Give me money. But he didn't do that. He could have said, I want to be famous. I want to be like the most famous king ever. Give me that. Give me popularity and fame and all that goes with that. He he could have asked for that, but he didn't. He said this. God, I'm only a child. I have been given, you have given me this great people to lead. They are too numerous to count. I've got this great people to lead, I've got this great responsibility, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Give me a discerning heart so that I can govern your people well. God said to Solomon, you ask for whatever you want. Solomon, in a prayer of humility, in a prayer of meekness, said, I don't have what it takes to lead these people of yours, Lord. Would you give me wisdom? And it says, as the story goes on, you can read the rest of it. As the story goes on, it says God was so pleased with Solomon and the way that he prayed that prayer and the thing that he asked for instead of power and money and fame and all that, he said, I'm I'm so happy with you, Solomon. I'm going to give you what you asked for. I'm going to give you a discerning heart. I'm going to give you amazing wisdom. And I'm going to give you power and fame and money, even though you didn't ask for it. And that tells the story of the rest of Solomon's trajectory in his life. What's fascinating to me in that story is that God comes to every one of us with exactly the same invitation. In James chapter 1, verse 5 James writes this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's virtually the same thing that God said to Solomon. He said, hey, ask me whatever you want. Here he says, look, if if you need wisdom, if you look at your life, you go, I'm not wise enough. I don't have it dialed in. I don't know how to make good decisions, wise decisions. I need wisdom. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask me and I'll give it to you without finding fault, without going, you should have asked me for that a long time ago. No, he just says, I'm going to give it to you generously. What a great promise from God. I remember when Lakeside was really young and really small, and uh, we were meeting over on in, on in a little building on Market Street, and uh, I was praying and I was trying to think through what are the things that I need to pray for for this church and what do I need to pray for for myself as I'm leading this church and Solomon's prayer struck me I'm like I got to pray that so I I started praying to God God I am just a child I was probably about 30 when I started praying this which in my mind now is a child sorry to you 30 year olds but you know <laughs> perspective changes but it was not just an age issue, it was, a, it was a capacity issue. God, I am just a child. You put me in charge of a church. You've given I, I said this to him. I said, you've given me this great people to lead. There was about 20 of us, counting children, you know, back at that time. So, but I'm, this is exactly what I prayed. God, I'm just a child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Give me wisdom to lead this great people that you've given me to lead. And... I believe God loves to answer that prayer for any of us. It doesn't matter if you've been given a country to lead or you've been given a church to lead or you've been given a family to lead. It doesn't matter if you've been given a a group at work to lead. It doesn't matter where you are in your life. If you just ask him, God says, look, if if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask. I'll give it to you generously without finding fault in you. Ask. Ask. It's one of the first things you'll learn from Solomon. Just ask. God took delight in answering his prayer. So ask for it. Ask for wisdom. How do you make wise decisions when emotions are high and passions get inflamed? Your desires start getting the best of you. Ask God for wisdom. And beware of what happened to the wisest person in the world. Listen to the ending of Solomon's story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 11, a few pages to the right. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter: Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth. Sorry. Uh, And three, that would just be troublesome. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done." On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he'd forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, made some of the worst decisions ever. Wisdom alone will not make you always a wise decider. Solomon made some bad decisions because he disobeyed the voice of his God. He had all these marriages. Now let me just talk, and talk about the marriages for a second because that's a little distracting. 700 wives and 300 concubines. Like, he would spend his whole life kissing them goodnight. And that's just ridiculous, right? So, and it gets this confusing to us because we're like, Hey, I thought the Bible was like one man, one woman for life. How, you know, how does this all work out? Let me just give you some background of what was happening in Solomon's world here. In those generation, in that generation, kings would make treaties with one another by the older king giving his daughter to the younger king to make a treaty. So they would have an alliance because the older king would say, look, if I give this young king my daughter in marriage, this guy is not going to attack his father-in-law's kingdom. So we'll be safe. And so they swapped daughters around and they gave them, you know, they gave them to one another in marriage. Now you've got a treaty. So these were were really political relationships. That's really what they were. But Solomon's heart got steered to all these women. And as his heart got steered toward them, his heart got steered away from his God. Sometimes in our decision-making process, we, we, will, we will say or think this way, I'm, I'm just going to follow my heart. I, I think I'm just going to follow my heart. That's what Solomon did and it led him astray. And see, I think what happened for Solomon was he got to the place in his life where he, he stopped taking his own advice. He stopped listening. What do you, What's the wise thing to do when emotions are high? What's the wise thing to do when my heart gets in t- gets attached, when my heart gets involved? What's the wise thing to do when my emotions are high and my passions are inflamed and my appetites are going crazy? Then what's the wise thing to do? Listen. Listen. Not to your heart because your heart is messed up by your own emotions. Listen to someone who's Heart is not messed up by your emotions. Someone who can see trouble coming in your life a mile away, listen to them. Listen to someone who cares for you, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And they see trouble coming a mile away for you. Listen to them because nobody is wise all the time by themselves. And what happened to Solomon was he got steered by his heart and he stopped listening. I mean, imagine how tough it was for Solomon. Solomon was always the smartest person in the room. That's hard. Solomon was always the most successful person in the room. And we have this thing about success and successful people. You ever notice that the funniest person in the room is also the most successful? But it doesn't always go in that order. Sometimes they're the most successful and so everyone laughs at their jokes. Everybody laughs at the president's jokes. doesn't matter if they're funny because he's the president. Everyone laughed at Solomon's jokes. didn't matter if they were funny. He was wise. He wasn't a comedian. But everyone laughed at his jokes. Why? Because he was most successful. He was always the smartest person, always the most successful person in the room. That caused trouble for him because after a while, he stopped listening to everybody else, which is fascinating because Solomon, maybe more than any other ancient writer, wrote about taking advice from others wrote about the power and the wisdom of taking advice from others so proverbs 1 verse 5 for example he says let the wise listen and add to their learning or proverbs 13 verse 10 he wrote where there is strife there is pride but wisdom is found in those who take advice You ever notice how we take the the path that we take to making emotional decisions is often quiet? We take a quiet path. In other words, we don't seek a lot of advice when we're making a big emotional decision. You're about to make a decision that's going to change your life. You're about to make a decision to cheat on your marriage. That's a highly emotional decision. And you didn't mean to step into that. You didn't mean to go that direction. You didn't, you didn't set out some great plans like, I'm going to get married, then I'm going to cheat. Nobody does that. But suddenly one day you, you realize you're, you sort of, you're sort of infatuated by this other person at work. The other person happens to be an attractive person attractive physically, attractive emotionally and intellectually, like, and you just kind of get drawn toward this person. And after a while, you don't, you don't really even know when it happened. It's just this long sort of glow, slow decision-making process. After a while, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm about to make a decision here is going to change your life and wreck your marriage. And you haven't told anybody about it. Why not? Because your heart was involved. Your passions were inflamed. And you approached the decision quietly because you already had an outcome that you wanted. And you knew the wise thing to do. But you didn't follow the wise thing because you already had something that you wanted. And someone else could have helped you see that thing coming. They saw it coming a mile away. They were so clear on this track that you were on. But you didn't ask them because you had an outcome that you wanted. And we say, yeah, but I was just following my heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? What's the wise thing to do when emotions are high and passions are inflamed and appetites are going crazy? What's the wise thing to do? Listen. Listen. Listen to that person in your life who sees it coming. Listen to that person in your life who has your best interests in mind and wants like crazy to keep you from driving off a cliff. Listen. Now, you have to seek them out. They're not just sitting there waiting. You've got to seek them out. So so let me ask you this question. Who is the person in your life today that if you were coming to an emotional, emotionally charged decision, who is the person today that you would go to and say, can I check this decision out with you? And if you don't have a person that pops right into your mind, then let me ask you this question. Who is the person with whom you will cultivate a relationship that they could be that kind of person for you? Because to develop that kind of relationship with somebody is the wise thing for you to do. Because to listen to somebody outside yourself is the only way to get wisdom in certain emotionally charged decisions. Who is the person who you would talk to before you decide to embark on a life changing decision? And I would ask you before the day is over today, if you don't have that person, then figure out who you might cultivate that relationship with. Because that's the path to wisdom. Father in heaven, thank you for your wisdom to us. You're filled with grace and you're filled with mercy and you are so willing to lead us in a path of wisdom. You're so willing to answer that prayer that says, I'm just a child. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. Lord, would you send the people into our lives who we need, that care for us and have our best interests in mind and who will be advisors and counselors and leaders to us? We all need that. Lord, lead us in that path. Give us your grace to have wisdom, to make wise decisions, to honor you, in everything we choose. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.